but today we are here to celebrate the goodness, the goodness and kindness of God. Think about that for a moment. Truly, uh, this is something that we want to do and we aspire to do every Sunday when we come together. We come together to recognize corporately the goodness and the kindness of God, but particularly today, as is every year, even in 2020, even amidst the craze of coronavirus, we set aside this Sunday before Thanksgiving to specifically recognize the goodness and the kindness of God. So how should we respond to the goodness of God in our lives? How should we respond to the truth that He has delivered us. He has provided salvation to us. How should we respond to the many blessings that he brings into our lives? Well, we should respond with this, the fruit of gratitude. So today we, we make a minor deviation in our fruit of the Spirit study, uh, not necessarily from the spirit of the study, but from the particular verses. You do not find gratitude listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 with the other fruit of the Spirit. However, you do find it listed many times throughout the Scripture as an evidence of the Spirit at work in our lives. And so today we are going to focus on gratitude, thanksgiving, praise. These are called for hundreds of times. Uh, in the pages of Scripture. And today I want us to consider just, just a couple of passages with you. One that I kind of threw in here at the last minute. So if you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want to spend just a moment on this particular verse. I think this is fitting for us to consider today. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 is where we're going to look. All right, here we go. Give thanks, show gratitude, offer praise to God in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I don't have a lot of comment to make on this particular verse because this is one of those particular verses that speaks for itself. It's very clear and evident in this verse that in every circumstance of life, we should show gratitude. In the, the good circumstances that come our way, in the, the bad circumstances as we define them, the, the ugly circumstances that present themselves in their life, in any circumstance, we are called to give thanks. Not here to say that's easy to do, but I am here to say that is what we're called to do. How do we do that? How are we to give thanks? I'll just throw this out there on a Sunday like today. I mean, I love everyone in this room, but I also love the people who aren't able to be here, and I miss them that they're not able to gather with us today. And it's hard for me to say, thank you, God, 
for giving this family coronavirus. Thank you, God, that they're quarantined and they can't come today. Thank you, God, that they just have a cold, but out of caution, they have to stay away for the sake of other people. In those kinds of circumstances, sometimes it's hard to give thanks. I've talked to, to many people, it was even mentioned in a couple of situations at our Wednesday night prayer meeting. Thanksgiving's going to look a lot different for your family this year. I know we're going to Oklahoma. I can't think of a Thanksgiving in my lifetime uh, where I've gone back to Oklahoma and my grandparents have not been at the dinner table with us. That's the way it's going to be this year. Now, we may try to sneak by and see them at some point and wear masks and do those things, but not having them at the table. Many of you are in similar circumstances. How do we give thanks in those particular circumstances? How is it possible to, to do what this verse is telling us to do? As followers of Jesus, we know this. We know this from the page of the Old Testament, that he has set his steadfast love on us. Right? Spent the last two weeks talking about his love, the love that he has for us. It is a covenant love. It does not fail. It does not break. That's the love he has for us. And because of that, we know this, even as Paul reveals in the pages of the New Testament, that he works everything together for good. You may not see the good. I may not see the good at, at why we're at minimal capacity today. Uh, you may not see the good. I may not see the good as to why certain people aren't going to be able to gather with us around the Thanksgiving table this year. But what does Scripture say? I'm working it all for good. Now, it is important that we understand God's definition of good is not always our definition of good. Right? His definition of good may be that you don't get to eat your grandma's cobbler or her pumpkin pie, that delicious thing that you usually get to eat, and you say, that's, that's not good. It's not good that I don't get to put that in my belly this year. His definition of good is this. He's conforming you through all circumstances into the image of Jesus. In this process of difficulty, in the, the, the pain and the grief that you may experience this week, his design in those circumstances is to produce this stuff in you. To make you look more like Christ. And today we're focusing particularly on this one thing. Because of that, I should show gratitude. Because I know he's got a bigger, better plan, and I'm on plan W today. He's still on plan A. He's still accomplishing these things in my life. We have to give thanks. So I had to throw that one in there, all right? That's like little bonus sermon. I had to look at that particular text just in light of everything that's happening right now. We need to be reminded of that. The main focus of what we're going to look at today is Psalm 150. So if you would turn there with me, Psalm 150. Uh, I believe this is one of the most helpful psalms as we think about gratitude and praise. And so Psalm 150, I will read that in just a moment once we get there. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him 
for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and, and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 150 is a call for universal and elaborate praise to our God. Universal and elaborate praise. So what's the psalm about? What's the purpose of Psalm 150? Well, it's about praising the Lord. And, and the point can be made by a simple calculation. If you look at the six verses, the word praise is used 13 times in the six verses. And the prologue entering into this particular psalm is this. It says, praise the Lord. The epilogue as you exit the psalm is praise the Lord. We're reminded all throughout. What does the word praise mean, though? To express warm approval and admiration is what a modern dictionary would say. An older dictionary would say it's a commendation that's bestowed on a person for his personal virtues, worthy of actions, meritorious actions themselves, or on anything that is valuable. Well, the Hebrew word used 13 times in this psalm is the word halal, from which we get our word hallelujah. And, and I like the way that Ross, Alan Ross, Hebrew scholar, he defines it this way. He says, praise is to give a glowing and spontaneous description of who the Lord is and what he's done. Praise is to give a glowing and spontaneous description of who the Lord is and what he has done. When was the last time you praised somebody? When was the last time you complimented them, you recognized their work? When's the last time somebody praised you? Maybe it was this morning and you said to your spouse, you look really nice today. Or that breakfast was amazing. Thank you for that. But here we're commanded to direct our praise to God, to give Him a glowing, spontaneous description of who He is and what He has done. Notice the word Lord used here is all capitals. Uh, we've talked about this multiple times. What does that mean when it's Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D? That's the name Yahweh. That's the, the personal name that God gave for Israel to use from. He is their God. They have covenanted with Yahweh. They're reminded in this, this is the God who saved them. This is the God who, who called Abraham. This is the God who rescued them out of Egypt. That's the God we're dealing with in these circumstances. That's our God who provided for us a Savior in His Son, Jesus Christ. But let me offer one warning before we consider the content of this psalm. Praise should not be born out of duty. Praise doesn't come out of an obligation. Praise comes out of delight. It's a response of the heart. Praise or gratitude as we're talking today is a fruit that the Spirit produces in us, through us. 
You don't tell your spouse that she looks good just to say it. You, you respond in that way when, when you see her and the optic nerve sends the signal into the brain and everything begins to fire. Psalm 150 is really simple. We'll take just a few moments to consider its truth. We've already answered a couple questions, the what and the, the who. We're, we're, we're praising Yahweh, but three more questions. Where are we to praise Him? What does it say in these opening lines? Where are we to praise Him? It says, in His sanctuary. Well, where is the sanctuary of our God? It's everywhere. He can't be contained. One of the, the coolest texts in the Old Testament, at least in my estimation, my opinion, is in Samuel, generations had dedicated themselves to building a temple to Yahweh. David had set things in motion. Solomon began to put the things together. And at that dedication of this temple that would house their God, the Ark of the Covenant, this was a spectacular event. Here's, here's what Solomon said. Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. This isn't the only place you can come and experience the presence of God. We, we can do that on a, on a trail. We can do that in our home. We can do it in the car. The whole earth is a sanctuary. We're to praise Him. He goes on and says, in the heavens where His power is displayed, the mighty heavens, when you, when you look up at the sky, what do you see? you see? You see stars. You see planets. You see all of these things that are so beyond our power and our ability to control. We're reminded in that moment, it's His might that holds these things together. It's where we should praise Him, wherever you are. Why, why should we praise Him? What is he going to say? Praise him for his mighty deeds. So what are his mighty deeds? That's why I love the Psalms. Because the Psalms are filled with questions just like this. That are meant to slow us down and make us stop and consider for a moment. That's why often you see that, that little phrase out to the side, Selah means just hit the brakes think about this think about for a moment what are the mighty deeds of our God what mighty things had he done for Israel we just kind of went through that he, he called them out of nothing by some guy named Abraham he gave them some land he delivered them from Egypt he delivered them over and over again throughout the period of the judges and moving into the kings. And at this point in time, as Psalm 50, 150 was written, he had given them a mighty king in David to lead them. He had done mighty things for Israel. What mighty things has he done for you? Well, he's delivered you from sin. He's delivered you from death. We needn't fear. We had an extraordinary conversation Wednesday night just on, on this topic. We needn't fear death. 
Death is the doorway that leads us to the presence of the one who has loved us with an everlasting love. It's beautiful. He's delivered us from these things. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been we have been justified as we've learned through Galatians that we've been declared to be righteous even though we're not righteous in and of ourselves. It's because of Christ's righteousness. He enables us to overcome sin, fear, anxiety. Because of his presence, we can experience this victory every day in our lives. We live in a culture of, of superficiality and so Oftentimes, this idea of being blessed, God giving us these good, kind things that he gives us, um, in our culture, it's, it's typically connected to things, isn't it? Well, I got a new car, I'm blessed. Well, I got this thing for Christmas, and now I'm blessed. And yes, we want to recognize those things are, are blessings, but we have to go deeper than the material to really get to the goodness of God in our lives. Maybe there's personal experiences in your life, ways in which God has, can only be described as divinely intervened to whether it's preserve your life or preserve the life of somebody that you love. God is in the business of performing miracles. Mm. I, I mentioned this morning, I think just one particular thing that stuck out to me this week is the coronavirus has been devastating to many. We see only what our media enables us to see. We don't, we don't even see what's going on in other countries around the world and the devastation that it could cause. But I, I read this the other day that it took four years to get the vaccine for mumps. And up to this point, that's the fastest the world has produced. The world of technology has produced a vaccine for a particular virus or disease. It's taken eight months. That's the goodness and the kindness of God in our present situation, in, in a way in which he has divinely intervened so that we're on the cusp of having something that can, can stabilize what's going on around us. But we're also called to praise him for his excellent greatness. So let me ask you another question. Not just what has the Lord done for you. Why is he so great? Why is your God so great? What makes your God better than all the gods of the Hindus? What makes your God better than Baal or Ashereth from the Old Testament? What makes your God better than Allah? What makes him so great? We're humbled by both the vastness of creation that he's placed us in and even the, the minute details of the creation that he has placed us in. By his wisdom, his power, all things were made. All things are presently sustained. So in a nutshell, our praise should declare God's power, his greatness, as displayed through his marvelous works, creation, redemption, judgment, deliverance, healing, forgiveness, just to name a few. No shortage of reasons. 
no shortage of reasons for us to praise God. My problem is this. Most of the time, I've just got a self-centered heart. Most of the time, I don't give him praise because I'm so self-absorbed in my own life, my own circumstances. Sometimes it's I'm distracted by the good things he's given me. Other times, it's I'm whining and complaining about the circumstances that he's put me in. So last question, how should we praise the Lord? Well, according to what it says here with musical instruments, Israel's worship uh, was not typically reserved. I, I love that historical heritage that you can see. It was very expressive, and they expressed their worship in joyous music. We should, we should mimic that. Our music should be joyful. Our, our, our heart should be joyful as we give praise to Him. Back in Psalm 150, it says, Use the horn, the harp, the lyre, the tambourine, the dance, the stringed instrument, the flute, clanging cymbals. Even, even use those loud, obnoxious cymbals. So what's the point of listing all these things out? It just means this. In everything you do, you're praising the Lord. In everything, you're praising the Lord. One of the instruments that's not listed here that I think is obvious and has to be added is our voice. The instrument of our voice. We speak of his mighty deeds, his greatness. We do this in conversations. We, we do this as we share testimonies of his greatness. We do it in songs like we sang this morning, exalting the goodness of God, singing about him. We must talk about God in our conversations. Uh, I'm, I'm always so convicted about how I spend so much time talking about useless stuff. Not that we can't talk about movies and, and books and sports. But we've got a God we can talk about. He's mighty in his deeds. And he's done extraordinary things in your life. Sometimes this can be as simple as just saying, praise the Lord. When somebody says, hey, you'll never believe what happened. You can fill in the blank. <laughs> and you just say, praise the Lord with intentionality. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. We should also give purposeful testimonies about God inside of the church, outside of the church, acknowledging what he has done, acknowledging how he has saved us, acknowledging those good works that he's accomplished in our lives. And then in true psalm fashion, we sing those songs like we sang here, like we encourage you to sing elsewhere, whether you're in your car, in your shower, wherever you are, singing praises to God. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. 
Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with a trumpet sound. Praise Him with a lute and harp. Praise Him with a tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Understand that that line, verse 6, that doesn't just conclude Psalm 150. That, in, that, that brings to conclusion the entire Psalter, the entire songbook of Israel. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. In Genesis chapter 2, on the sixth day of creation, here's what we read. Then Yahweh formed the man out of the dust from the ground and he breathed he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and that man became a living creature listen god gave life to all of creation to, to, to dogs, to fish, to trees, to grass, everything that is around us has that life. But he breathed. He breathed life into only one aspect of creation. Humankind. Those who would bear his image throughout creation. God gave humans breath and we owe that very breath back to him in our day to day opportunities to praise when I was a kid I think I've shared this before um, and I wanted to do something I could be relentless mom 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 we need to go to McDonald's we, we need to go to Toys R Us. You know, I can think of all those places in Tulsa. Please, please just let us go. And every once in a while, she would make this particular statement. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> Which was her creative way of saying, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Well, today, I want to I twist that a little bit and encourage you this way. Don't hold your breath today. Use your breath to give thanks, show gratitude, and give praise to our God. What that means in this, this grand scheme of what we've been talking about is this. We have to put on gratitude. That's the fruit that the Spirit wants to cultivate in us. A life that is defined by words that praise God. But if that's what we have to put on, what do we have to put off first? And this is where this won't feel very good for any of us. Because what's the opposite of praise? It's complaint, it's grumbling. The opposite of showing gratitude to God is showing ingratitude to Him. And about 75% of what most of us say is typically complaint. 
It's ingratitude. It's negative. We have to really work at this one. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should not be the pessimistic, hopeless ones in this world. We are the ones who are praising God, pointing others to the true hope that we have in Christ. We have to do some work here. We have to begin to do that hard work of putting off the complaint and putting on gratitude in its place. Thank you.